Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation, Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to thank you for taking time to be with us today as we provide useful information and insights to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get more better broadband everywhere that it needs to be in the U.S. And I'm actually really hopeful today that I get through this show, okay, because I turned on everything and discovered they have a complete new software interface, and I don't really know what's all here, but it's going to be entertaining if nothing else if I push various sundry buttons. Anyway, to be serious, to be serious. So right now in the in the um, broadband space and telecom in general, we are going through some serious uh, issues that that are that people are going to have to deal with. We're looking at the uh, Comcast Time Warner attempted a merger. We've got net neutrality and in, in all of its various permutations. And yesterday, AT&T came up with some new third way to approach net neutrality. And we've got uh, incumbents fighting um, communities for that, that want to do their own broadband and communities are petitioning the FCC so they can do their own broadband. There's a lot of stuff <clears throat> happening, and it's very important stuff. Even if you're not a wonky kind of person, this stuff is going to have a serious impact on Internet access and the cost of Internet access and the quality of, of, of Internet access and a whole slew of other things that sort of emanate out from that. And it's good to have some semblance of context of how to look at some of these issues. And... Um, there's a there's a there's a person uh, who's been on our show before, uh, Bruce uh, Kuznick, who's the executive director of New Networks Institute. He's an industry analyst who has been following the money trail, where money has been promised, where money has been delivered, as it pertains to internet and access to uh, to, to broadband. And he's written Bruce has written a new book that looks at um, <clears throat> this history of large telecom companies making a series of promises both to get mergers approved and, and to get favorable legislation approved and tax breaks and so forth. And over the course of modern time, over the course of the last 10, 20 years, there have been some $400 billion dollars of promised or proposed uh, benefits to con- consumers, tax breaks that have been allotted, so forth and so on, and what do we have to show for? And as we look at these issues that are coming up before us and how we should approach those and what kind of pressure we should put on uh, regulators who are supposed to be the voice of the consumers and our protectors, uh, you know, what, what what kind of, what should we be looking at? What should we be asking for? And it helps to have this context that has been laid out in the book that Bruce has um, uh, has written, which is called The Book of Broken Promises, apropos, $400 billion broadband scandal and free the net. Bruce, welcome to the show. And... Um, Give us the basics. What is what's this book about? Sure. And thank well, you for having me on the show. Yep. Um, 
this this is this is the third book in a trilogy. Uh, this uh, the, actually it started in I started doing the data collection in 1992 with a study that was done about the breakup the breakup of AT and T, which happened in 1984, and there were seven baby bell companies created around the country, which controlled the local utility networks. So um, this and, and we put out published a, a series of research reports at the time. Um, but it was one of the largest studies ever done. So I've been tracking the data part since 1992. The, the previous books, um, one was called The Unauthorized Bio of the Baby Bells, um, and that was in 98. And the, the sec- second book was called $200 Billion Broadband Scandal, and that was in 2005. So this is the, the continuity here is the $400 billion number has actually been tracked since 1992. Essentially, the story is simple. There's a wire in your home. The wire in your home was supposed to be upgraded to a fiber optic wire uh, throughout the United States. And by the year 2010 or thereabouts, America should have been a fully fiber optic gigabit nation. And uh, because the fiber optic wires were supposed to have speeds of 45 megabits in both directions, and that's in 1992. So what happened was mm-hmm. is um, there was a thing called the Information Superhighway, and uh, then uh, soon-to-be Vice, uh, Vice President Al Gore suggested that, that, which is a term he dubbed, that America should have a replace the old copper wires with this fiber optic wire. And all the phone companies raised their hands and said, oh, we'll do this. So they went state to state and essentially said, if you give us a little more money, we will go out and build and replace the old copper wire in the utility um, and make sure that, that, uh, that it's a fiber optic wire. And we'll give it to everybody. And depending on the state, um, there was even a, a, a tempo by which the deployment was supposed to happen. So in California, $16 billion was supposed to be spent by the year 2000, and 5.5 million households should have been wired. In, in, in New Jersey, 100% mm-hmm. of the state's supposed to be finished by the year 2010. So essentially, the first part, one of the stories being told in this book is about the whole history of broadband, which most people don't know, and the fact that when they changed the laws to, give, to charge us, they never went back when they didn't build the networks to, to either get refunds or, take, or, re, or redo the laws. So built into all of the rates in America, in virtually every state, there is a set, a, essentially a hidden broadband tax that everybody's paying. <laughs> what a wow. story. And it's, it's not minor change. I mean, you, you and I have talked about this on the last uh, show, and I actually wrote up a, uh, a piece that looked at the dollar volume. And then what, what struck me that was interesting about this <clears throat> is that um, what happened was a series of promises, as you described, and but but there happened after that a basic loss of the collective memory, if you will, because by the time ten years has gone by, so we're talking uh, from say two thousand three to to. 2014 or 2013 have turned over complete legislative bodies, governor administration, presidential administration. Does does anyone even remember those those promises? I mean, it's like your your book basically got to the heart of the issue, which is these were promises made, but the subtext is kind of, and these were promises forgotten. Well, there's two parts. 
well, there's actually a couple of parts because it turns out that in New Jersey in 2014 there was there was they they, they Verizon had only built about 50 percent of the state with FiOS, and uh, basically the state said you know you didn't fulfill your obligations under the original law. Most of the re- regulators had no idea that there was an original law, and, and so so but so phase one was. Phase one was they said that they would build it. They changed the state laws. They collected all this money, and that was that was phase one. But in 1996, there was two other. There was a couple of other trends. The next one was the baby bells decided to marry their siblings, and as we all know, you know it's an act. It's against the act of of nature to go out and marry your sibling, and it's, and so these mergers basically were another series of promises that happened where they said, well. For example, uh, there's a one of the Bell companies is called Ameritech, and the other one was called SBC. And SBC basically said uh, in this merger, we will be in 30. And eight, by the way, SBC and Ameritech are now part of AT and T, and so we will be we will be in, competing in 30 cities outside of our region by the year 2003. And if we don't, those should be you know there were penalties of up to a billion dollars. And they basically said, no, no, we're going to compete. We, we have to merge. It's good for the nation. And, they, and so SBC uh, and, the, and the company merged. At, in the FCC's commitments, it basically said that as long as they had three unaffiliated customers in any market, it was considered to be a fulfillment of their obligation. <laughs> so, wow. so, 18... And that was one. That was only one, that was one merger. And, and what happened was, is in every merger, some of the some of the states like Cal, it's like uh, Connecticut, it actually started building out a cable service on fiber. And as soon as it was merged with SBC, they closed everything. When PacBell was supposed to spend the sixteen billion dollars, uh, it, it was it was merged with uh, SBC in nineteen ninety seven, and so SBC closed all of the fiber optic wires that were being built. And so in every state. SBC, which now is AT&T, went in and said, you know those promises we made? Screw that. We're just going to go out and merge. And two years later, after the merger, they basically then did the hatchet. So if you look at the, if you look at the current market where AT&T is now talking about going to uh, uh, mar- uh, mar- uh, sorry, marrying S- uh, uh, DirecTV, what you find basically is the history of the of the mergers themselves. The, the by the way, the last merger, which was AT and T and Bell South, in writing it says that the 100 percent of the 22 states should have at least 200k, which is slow, but in one direction, uh, a guaranteed by the year 2007. AT and T has claimed that they fulfilled this obligation, but in documents filed under the AT and T Directv, they claim that 25 percent of their territories don't have broadband. Now, we talk about 100% of people having broadband. If they were required in 2007 merge to go out and have 100% of the territories, why at least 200K? Now, you have to understand, 200K can't be delivered with anything but DSL, which is slow, which is over the old copper wires, but at least is broadband. However, AT&T claims that they don't have, can't give delivered to 25% of their territory in 2014. Now, you would think... Uh, and so the book is not just it's not just historical, it, and it just lays out the you know the broken promises. It shows directly how the current things have been based on a series of misrepresentations. AT and T and Bell South mergers should be should be investigated. If in fact they actually signed documents at the FCC, which they did, then it's perjury. 
You can't go out and tell the FCC you fulfilled your obligations to 100% of 22 states with broadband and then not be able to do it. And uh, so the bottom line to the book is actually it shows that the regulatory system is totally broken, that we've basically been conned along the way on multiple things. For example, the book focuses on the fact that that Verizon has currently today uh, the fiber optic wires that they did put in, which is Fios, that the networks are based on something called Title II, Common Carriage Telecommunications Networks. Now, what is, what is Title II? In the net neutrality fight, everybody's talking about the fact that they want to reclassify the, the networks back as Title II. Title II means that the networks are telecommunications-based. Telecommunications has rules and regulations and obligations, such as if your line breaks, they fix it, such as common carriage, which is like a road. You on the road, basically, they, they don't have a, sign, a gatekeeper that says you can't go on that road. It's an open road. There's, no, there's nobody who blocks you. So the idea was, and in 2005, the FCC decided to remove the ability for competitors to use the networks, and they changed everything to an information service, quote-unquote. An information service has no regulations. It's the Internet. It basically says, we don't have to rent the networks to anybody. We basically can go out and block and degrade anybody we want because it's our network, quote-unquote. Now, it turns out that Verizon has told everybody that this thing called Title II, returning back to telecommunications, would harm their business. When, in fact, their entire fiber optic networks today are Title II, common carriage uh, services, which is in every cable franchise agreement. So in 2014, Verizon has told the FCC one story, which is Title II harms and and will stop uh, investment. And on the exact same day, exactly today, in every document that Verizon has cable franchises, it says the networks really are Title II. <laughs> now, what does this mean? It means that in 2006 in New York, the state of New York, they went back to the state and said they needed money for massive deployment of fiber optics, and they got three rate increases for 84% on basic rate phone service, claiming that they, had a, they were building out the Fios. Now, it's not, Ill, it's not legal to charge grandma and low-income families, people who, are, who can't get Fios, for, for a fiber optic upgrade, which costs the average customer in New York who, are, who has a regular phone line $500 extra as extra fees. So the, the overcharging on broadband, and now you have to understand, it's impossible to track the, the numbers anymore because the FCC stopped publishing the data. Verizon stopped publishing the data. AT&T stopped publishing the data. So... Actually, these guys are now in a period where they are monopolies without any oversight and any, anybody who could find the numbers. Now, we projected what the numbers were, but the new findings that we thought made over the year, over the last year, where Fios is based on Title II, where they are charging customers uh, billions of dollars in, uh, you know, across, the, across the territories, um, is basically a new story because essentially what's going on is we're being played. And we're being played big time because no, the FCC has never investigated whether Verizon's Fios use of Title II today um, existed. They didn't know about it, and they are, they have, are, as far as I can tell, denial to actually look at this. Because what it would say is Verizon lied to the courts about Title II, and Verizon lied to the FCC about Title II. And then the neutrality basically is it's already Title II being used today, so why don't we just say <laughs> it's, it's Title II already, thank you very much, and we're done with at least Verizon's Fios. So, so my feeling now is that... 
as I say, are you basically saying that title? So we have title two in practice, but we're claiming, or the the incumbents are in, are claiming that to officially call it title two is going to be the end of the free world as we know it. <laughs> yes, in the in the exact same breath, they basically say it's title two. The, the networks are title two by definition. It's in the law. They, you can't really sort of get around that. And two, Title II means it's part of the utility networks. In fact, Verizon in 2005 uh, to, uh, challenged the state, claiming that, the, that Fios had, that this is all an upgrade of just the telecommunications networks of the state. This was not uh, something different than, than that. And that's in writing. This is not you know, something I'm just making up because I feel like making something up. But, but essentially what they're going on is they don't – no, the FCC has never examined this issue. This is, you know, this is kind of news. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is this is you – know, I, I could read you text and verse. My favorite is this is in the New York state law. Verizon New York is a common – as a common carrier under Title II of the Communications Act of, uh, of 1934 constructed the, F, the fiber to the premises network as an upgrade of its telecommunications networks. This isn't law. This is not me making things up. This is not me, you know, sort of deciding to read something else. Now, here's what Verizon has said, quote, Verizon says, imposing a Title II common carriage regime on broadband providers would, would be um, radical change in the course that would chill and not spur innovation. Title II is a regulatory dinosaur crafted 80 years ago and based on 19th century laws. <laughs> wow. Now, when I... When I found this, when I found this. I've been laughing about this for you know for months, <laughs> because what this is basically like, um, Verizon is you know has two heads. <laughs> they say one thing wow. to one place, they say one thing to another place, and they get around it. So the book outlines the, how they deceived us, how they went out and charged us for over and over and over again. We've paid nine times for the wiring of schools and libraries. <laughs> not just not eight, not six, not four, nine, and it, it depends on the state, of course. But for example, the cable companies had something called the social contract, which is also in the book. The social contract basically says in 1995, you know, uh, we want to upgrade the networks and we want to wire the schools with broadband internet. And so, why don't you give us, let us charge customers five dollars more uh, a month, and we will build this out. It, this contract was supposed to end in the year 2000. And the schools were were supposed to be wired in all, all schools in their area. By the year, but but the FCC, because there's no memory, the FCC never examined uh, anything about the social contract after 2000, nor did the states. And uh, we have no idea if they ever wired the schools, but they it appears that they never lowered rates, so that means they're still collecting five dollars a month extra. That came out to I think 63 billion dollars collected by the cable companies for the wiring of schools plus the upgrades in the networks. And we, we believe, so we, we can't find any, sorry. Uh, I was say, huh? so it, it's money that um, they have been granted, in other words, through various programs at the state, different state levels to deliver a specific telecom technology that has, in fact, not been delivered. Well, it turns out that we can't track it. We've, we've had, we work with auditors of, phone, of, phone, of uh, school boards, and we can't find anybody who has, been, who has the thing paid for under this contract. Nor can we find any 
place where they actually lowered rates $5 in 2001 after the contract ended. So, but this is only one of nine. Oh, for example, all of the uh, all of the original um, plans, almost all of them had something to do with schools. For example, in Ohio, they were supposed to spend a billion dollars to wire all the schools by 2000 with fiber. Um, and, and in New Jersey, they were supposed to wire the schools starting in 1997 with, for, with fiber. So, and it's built into rates. It's built into the whole system. So, I, and, and it's you know, Texas had the same law. They were supposed to spend, spend a billion and a half starting in 95, to wire the schools with 45 megabit services. None of this happened. And, and they, collected, they continually collected the money. So uh, basically, my viewpoint is that uh, the people have a memory of 18 months. Um, the law goes through, then a year later they remember that the law went through occasionally, and then after that they sort of, it fades by year two. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to say, they've built, sorry, uh, they've they've well, built well, a network. Uh, uh, they've built a network of uh, astroturf groups, of uh, of whole networks of lobbyists, whole networks of corporate funded think tanks, whole you know at, um, various uh, co opted uh, non profits where they give them lots of money from the foundation grants, and they also are the new plan is working through a group called Alec, the American. Uh, the American Legislative Exchange Council, basically what they're doing is they created model legislation, AT&T and Verizon and CenturyLink, and then they put it, give it to the, the ALEC member politician from the state level, and then they push through the laws. So 30 states are deregulated pretty much everything, i.e., in some states, there's no longer any obligation to fix your wire if it breaks. There's no, any, there's no obligation to actually even offer you service anymore in uh, Florida, Alabama, so the plan now is is to put everybody on wireless, which is more expensive, which you know can't handle the, the, the what what uh, fiber optics could. And there's nobody who's gone back and said, "Excuse me, you know you didn't build this stuff. You know you collected all this money. Where's the where's the wires? Where's the where to give us the money back? <laughs> what would what would think somebody would do that? Now some states did wake up, you know, fiber uh, in 2003 said, you know, didn't we have some plan that was supposed to do something but that this is rare there's only a couple of places a couple of states that ever challenged anything about this so the fcc basically uh, just so you know the fcc's data on broadband the history of broadband doesn't include anything in the book that i wrote they never looked at any state-based commitments nor any of the funding from customers for either the cable side or the or the telephone side ever in, in, since 2000, since 1998 I know this because we filed uh, 71 times at the FCC, about 35 times about this. <laughs> so based on what you're describing, it seems like one of the values, uh, one of the values of the book would be to, to be to sort to to, um, to understand a historical context and begin negotiating. Uh, or denying uh, the the Comcast merger and a slew of incumbent activities in this context, right? Because if if right. I am looking at these companies coming in with all these claims about they're good for business and they'll provide this and they'll do X, Y, and Z, it's useful to look at the history so that you understand you're actually not negotiating with a partner in good faith and that if you're going to proceed to try to negotiate with them, 
somebody has to start taking responsibility for, um, I don't know, creating some way to jog institutional memory beyond the 18-month mark, right? <laughs> they, need, they, need, they need to pass yeah. some sort of law, not only just pass laws, but someone needs to be, there needs to be a watchdog, or there needs to be, I mean, theoretically, that's what our regulators are supposed to be. So you're kind of, right. I guess, talking in circles and to a certain extent. But it seems that the crux of the problem is that we don't, we're not negotiating from a, from a, with a historical context, right? Because so many people don't know this history, and also right. we're not negotiating with an intent to address the institutional memory problem, because that will always be the issue. That well, there's actually, actually right. There's, there's actually a couple. There's actually a, a, a more of a more of a current version, which is there's a whole bunch of new things that they're doing that basically should be gone after. I'll give you the easiest example. The data that we found shows that when you look at the financials, we looked at the financials of Verizon, New York, which is one of the only states that has serious uh, accounting financials required. Um, Verizon Wireless is getting a, is basically dumping the expenses of its construction budgets into the utility as Title II. And that's not necessarily legal. And this is happening today. This is, you know, this is a current thing. On, on a Verizon-wide basis, it comes out to almost $4.5 billion a year annually being pay, charged to the utility customers for the construction of these networks based on rate increases that were given you know, for the – for the building of these networks, so so it's not just it's not just and and the institutional part. I mean, in the yes, the history is, for example, the AT and T uh, Bell South merger in two thousand seven. If they really didn't finish their obligations um, to actually put to give everybody broadband, then essentially, um, why are we going to give op- let them go through with this current merger? Why isn't there an investigation of the monies that were collected or the benefits they got from the merger, and also whether or not they fulfilled their obligations by, by an independent party? The FCC, you know, was in charge of these mergers, so it didn't do its job. Um, so, so the book basically doesn't, doesn't also reflect the history. There's a whole bunch of stuff at the end of the book, which basically is about this fire, the fiber optic and being Title II, because we only found it last year, and because, basically, it's been going on for a decade – but more importantly, um, it's in every state, and all of the money the, – the, basically what's going on now is that the affiliate companies, Verizon Wireless, Verizon Online, Verizon Business, essentially have been dumping the expenses into the utility to make it look unprofitable. So they can go back to the state and say, you know, we're losing all this money at the utility. Raise the rates, or you know, we need to basically just shut these lines off and go wireless because everybody's going wireless. And therefore and – and this has been one of the – the issues is they use their own data, which nobody refutes because they don't have it in many states, about these kinds of things. The data that we have shows that they have been manipulating the books to such an extent that essentially there was losses in New York of $11 billion, $2 billion a year <laughs> since 2009. Unbelievable. Now you would think that the regulators would go, how could you lose $2 billion a year? You know, what's going on here? But all of the affiliates were very profitable. And, and so the, you know, the wireless company is a 50% profit market because it isn't paying the construction budgets to the wires to the cell towers. So in terms of, in terms of the current version of you know, the, the historical stuff, 
it, it sort of uh, gives you the feel of what happened in the past, but it says, you know, you fooled us 15 times. Why are we going to let you do it again? In the new AT&T DirecTV merger, they talk about gigapower cities. They're not going to build it. You know, I, I'll place a bet on that. They say they're going to be in 100 cities? No. <laughs> Will they be in five? Maybe, but I kind of doubt it. Will they finish the five? No. Why? Because history tells us that they don't really care about the wires. They, what they're interested in doing is doing the mergers and interested in getting rid of the regulations with this IP transition, which, is a, which basically is a we can reclassify the wires from being telecommunications to an information service, and we remove all of the regulations. Thank you very much. And that's the story. The, the IP transition is not about a transition of technology. It's a transition away from regulation of the monopolies. But, nobody, but it's time to call their bluff. I was hoping that the, the new net neutrality um, uh, wave, basically, which doesn't necessarily address a lot of the issues I'm talking about, at least sort of uses the data to basically say, you know, excuse me, it's already Title II. <laughs> you say Title II is going to harm you. <laughs> which, which is it? <laughs> right. Or well, if mean, it's obvious of their uh, well, uh, discussion. Right. And, and by the way, we haven't investigated, just so you know, uh, one of the reports, the last report we did was in May 2014, of which it is in the book. And uh, there's a new group called the Connect New York Coalition, which is AARP, Consumer Union, uh, CWA, and a bunch of, which is the Communications Workers of America, um, Common Cause. And they filed, using our data, they filed a, a petition with the state of New York to actually get the books um, and, and requested that the state start an immediate investigation and get discovery, meaning that we get to see the data. That happened in July of 2014. This should be happening in every state because the amount of money that they've collected for broadband, which is still being collected today, and the amount of money that customers have been charged for – Development of non-regulated services that basically uh, may be even overseas. A lot of the money basically doesn't make it back. None of the money makes it back to the networks. It goes into a different pocket. So in the book, I actually end the book with it's time to actually go for, an invest, go for investigations. Here's where to start. I talk about the actual path on how to get back to a broadband utility, which is it's time to actually sit down and look at the financials of Verizon Wireless and Verizon New York, which is the, you know, the, 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 the numbers we have, and then take it to every state because they're doing the same thing in every state. There's no differences. And then, if, and then basically separate the phone company's wires from the phone company uh, affiliates i.e., we can no longer have it so that, Verizon, that the utility customers are paying for Verizon wireless wires to the cell towers. It's not legal. Now, we talk about Title I, Title II. We talk about you know, information versus te- uh, telecommunications. They told the FCC that they're an information service, these wires, and they told the state that it's uh, Title II, it's a telecommunications service, so they could dump the expenses. Somewhere, when you compare these two things, one of them can't be right. <laughs> So that's the, basis, that's the basis of the next step is to say, if it really is Title II, how much money did you collect as Title II, which it is. And so the book ends with basically a plan on how to go from where we are today into going into a broadband open utility where it's open to all competition. Why? Because if you look at the numbers, you find that the affiliate companies, once they are removed and they're paying market values like any other competitor, the networks are profitable. And they, can be, and they can be delivered to everybody today. As long, but 
it requires a willpower on the state of the regulators to fix this thing, which they have never done before. They sat back and just let this whole thing – basically, this has sort of been an erosion of our rights for the last decade or two, mostly the last decade, for the last 14, 15 years, ever since you know, the networks were closed and uh, the, the, there was a change in, at the FCC to basically say, we're, you know, we're going to be pro-phone company, forget the, the customer. So my feeling is, is you know, as we sit here, the next step is take them to court. Uh, uh, yell about getting a, getting an audit to the books. You know, show that if it is Title II, basically throw it back to the FCC's face and say investigate, which is what we're going to be doing. Um, the book basically is sort of a database, an encyclopedic uh, uh, collection of all of the materials necessary to go out and say, Here's here's uh, the here's 540 pages and 731 footnotes. <laughs> you know, explain to me why we're not right. Um, by the way, the book is, is on sale for two dollars and ninety nine cents special, and the PDF That's download. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do the plug. No, 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 no. By all means, because I think <clears throat> I think this is a valuable resource. Though the way people hate to read these days, they'll probably freak out when they hear see the page count, but. But I think from a bottom line perspective, there is so much going on in terms of negotiations and agreements um, and, 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 and the increasing emphasis on broadband and there should be a utility and, and there should be more broadband projects moving forward. I think that to be grounded in the history is a good thing because it should, it should lighten, shed light on on certain realities, right? Because when you have right. a battle about uh, should public entities be building broadband networks, or should there, you know, the FCC keep the uh, you know the designation for what is broadband below 10 megs and so forth and so on, there's always this pompous crap about you know we're we're creating telecommunications and we're doing innovation and you know it's like aren't we great and leave us alone because we are great you know don't regulate us because we're the goose with the golden egg etc etc and and people take that stuff unfortunately at face value and what it seems like should be happening is people should be taking data such as the data presented in your book to, to really call people, to smack them across the, um, you know, the PR release, and say, you know what, you know that's that's crap. You and in fact, before one nickel more, where's our broadband that we've always been paying five bucks a person for the last ten years to get? You know, where is it? Where? Right. Why isn't it there? And someone needs to have the the intestinal fortitude to say, um, not one dime more until you. Um, deliver on what you've already promised. And oh, by the way, why don't we just give these these uh, co- electric co-ops and public utilities and local governments the right to, to, to develop and to deliver on the promise that you guys clearly have not delivered on? I mean, that, that to me is maybe the right. ideal well, dialogue, but it seems right. like the dialogue I think, is... I think pro- Right. I think um, 
uh, just just a, a point. I actually wrote the the forward so that it was in English and that it summarizes everything that's in the book so that they could just find what they want to read, um, which was mm-hmm. a suggestion by uh, Chuck Sherwood. Thank you, Chuck. Um, however, the 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 bottom line now is it's time to take action, legal actions, um, which we're not working on. It's time to go out and, and call for an inve- investigations because what they're doing is not necessarily legal. On the on the municipality mm-hmm. side, many of the municipalities could could at any time say, "Excuse me, in law it says that I'm entitled to this network." What happens in New Jersey? <laughs> case in point, in New Jersey in 2012, there were two th- two small towns, uh, Greenwich and Stowe Creek, um, who hadn't been upgraded, um, who were sort of near the water. Um, and and uh, Greenwich is is uh, Greenwich. Uh, this is on New Jersey. Uh, is uh, within the, the evacuation area of a nuclear power plant, and they don't have any working cell phones half the time. So in a storm, everything gets knocked out. So it turns out that basically in 2012, I, I worked with the towns, and we actually got them wired in 2014. Because basically under New Jersey state law, they were required by law to have 100% of New Jersey completed by the year 2010. And they hadn't done it. And they, the state actually issued a show cause order saying, excuse me, you're un, you still have this obligation which you've never fulfilled. So in, many, in some states, not, you know, there are state laws that actually, for example, Pennsylvania. Everybody's supposed to have, uh, by the year 2015, the entire state's supposed to be wired. And if it's not wired or um, you know, delivering X, Y, and Z, which is they, the, the, the towns themselves can go back and get it. Now, the other question is, is why didn't many of the towns actually take them to court? Because along the way, they could have at, at any point said, excuse me, we're entitled to this. The wires that are coming through our town, you were supposed to upgrade and you didn't. Give us the money back or wire the town. And my feeling about the about in talking to a lot of the municipalities has been that there is this requires leadership and a sole purpose to actually get the town wired, which is not necessarily a priority for a lot of the towns. And more importantly, um, they they say, well, you know, the, the incumbent will get to us sooner or later. <laughs> uh, right. My feeling is, is my feeling is right now there's an, in many places they could walk in today. I'll give an example. And uh, if they're still, if if Time Warner and Comcast are still collecting the five bucks a month for wiring of the schools, did the schools get wired? They could ask that tomorrow. They can walk into, they can say, we want an audit of the schools where they wired. And if they're not wired, are you still collecting the money? If you're still collecting the money, which is eight hundred and forty dollars per customer since two thousand, give us the money back. <laughs> now you have to understand this is this is a contract. You know, it, the contract, it, it quote-unquote expired, so they had it, you know, you can't keep charging people after the contract's over. And right. and did you wire the schools? So in a lot of these things, it really is, there are places we, you know, that, we that can be confronted. Most of them have, and now that's the, one of the reasons why I wrote the book, is here's the data that you could use to go out and say, excuse me, we're owed this, we want it now, or give us the money back. There's a lot of people who won't do that, but there's certain places where they violated the law, and I think that's where the that's where the the rubber meets the road. If in fact the Verizon Wireless is getting the wires to the cell towers paid for by utility customers, that's not legal. And the question is is whether or not, and we know for a fact that it's happening. The question is is whether or not the the regulators would actually act on that. And we're hoping that that happens in New York because in New York they already filed a petition for this very issue. 
that they charged that essentially the customers were charged and that the the, the affiliates didn't pay their fair share. So my feeling about the book act is I wrote it as a sort of uh, <laughs> you know the, the culmination of the thir- of the tw- of the the last 22 years of work on the topic, but more importantly because most people have no idea zero the net neutrality people when they talk they don't really understand what the word broadband utility means and they think a lot of people think that the ISP is a natural monopoly the ISP basically is the portion of the service that allows you to connect to the internet the in 19 in 2001 there were 9500 small internet providers in the United States handling 50% of all US uh, customers for the internet and what happened was is the FCC outlawed the, the, their right to go out and use the network. They applied heavy regulation, i.e., you know, most people say they deregulated the networks, but they didn't. They took away the rights of the small Internet providers to go out and offer service. By the year 2005, 7,000 companies had gone out of business. And AT&T were put up for sale because they were blocked from going into being able to sell local service and other services using the local wires. So from my perspective, um, the entire situation now is the Internet is a separate entity and should be real, uh, and there should be immediate competition. We should immediately be calling for things like rate regulation of the cable companies, primarily because there isn't any competition to lower their rates. And we should be in doing an investigation of how much money they collected under the social contract, whether they wired the schools. And if they didn't, then they should basically not only be penalized, but they certainly shouldn't be allowed to merge. <laughs> that's, that's, right. geez, let's, let's, get, let's reward people who ripped us off. I love that one. <laughs> that's kind of and, the nature of where this discussion is going. I mean, the, the national discussion is, is going in this way of, well, these guys are doing this for the good of our... Um, our our constituents, and so all we free marketeers need to rise up and support this merger, or or else you know the end of times will show up. But so so the question right. I guess then is how do we move? I, mean, I know that you've got recommendations for how we move, but how do you get people to move? Because I mean, in half the states, they are politically, philosophically predisposed to buy whatever line the incumbents make about right. you know, we're doing this for the good of the of the free enterprise system and free markets and the ultimately the consumer. So right. if you've got that as kind of your starting point where what, a third, half the states are, you know, of this this philosophy, how right. do you move this ball forward? Uh, a couple of things. We're looking at legal actions now, uh, a group of us, and we are probably going to relaunch Teletruth, which was our activist advocacy group, um, to basically coordinate trying to get people to actually take legal actions, as well as take uh, uh, de- uh, demand audits, too. Everybody listening paid at least 5000 got charged $5,000 for networks they never got. So if that makes you happy, then you, then you really don't need to buy my book, much less listen to the rest of this, to this conversation. However, right. my feeling is, is the, the AT&T, uh, sorry, Comcast and Time Warner are, the most, uh, are two of the most hated companies in America. Net neutrality basically pointed to there was ang- that there's angst out there, but there really are these the other differences. The reason why people hate 
Time Warner and Comcast is because they keep raising rates and there's no competition to lower them. So my feeling has been that you know demanding things like rate regulation from people who actually hate the companies. Now, how do you aggregate all the people that actually hate the companies? I mean, that's sort of a philosophical issue of how, you know, how do you rally the troops. But from the point of view of the book, my hope is to tell the story and, and get more and more people involved because I think when they find out how many times they paid for the wire in school or, or for broadband they never got, I think they may get pissed off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, I, you know, it's people like – right, but, but it's also you know, it's, it's people like this show that are helping get the message out. And tell, you know, giving giving the the facts. The one thing I'm giving is facts. I'm not, you know, I don't make anything up. I don't have to. You know, the, I just quote the phone company's own own uh, materials. I, there's very little in the book that basically isn't isn't a direct quote from one of the phone companies or you know, statements or filings or other things. So my feeling is is you know when when people actually know the truth, they may actually you know get get involved. The one thing that is I think sort of. Uh, Shining a shining light in a, in a dark space is the fact that there were 3.7 million people who showed up, even if it was a forum, uh, at the FCC to give comments. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a bunch. Uh, there's a new trend line that's that's calling for a broadband utility from the internet companies, which never happened before. Mm-hmm. So the question is whether or not they want to get their hands dirty and actually, you know, take the companies on, I mean, really take them on instead of just sort of playing patty cake, which is, you know, we'll, we'll say bad things, we'll, be, you know, be like large gorillas and bang our chests, but we're not going to really do anything about this. Um, the question is whether or not they, uh, or as I say, should or get off the pot. Because we're at, we're at the end game. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna start closing the wires in, in some of the states. I mean, this is, this, they've already filed to do this. And when I mean close the wires, I mean they'll shut off fifty percent, fifty percent of their territory, and then force people onto wireless. Right. So that'll leave no cable competition at all in those areas. And and so I think you know I think shows like this, I think and you know me me writing the book and telling the story, I think that's the first step. Let people know that this, you know this, this. Let them hear hear a story. Let them know what how they got gouged, how they got you know how we got <laughs> raped and pillaged. <laughs> Do you think that the FCC <clears throat> will become indeed a uh, protector of the consumer, or is what's coming out of the FCC more smoke and mirrors than actual, uh, you know, severe action that will actually result in some rollbacks? Or at least result in some favor uh, favorable decisions. What I mean by that is consumer favorable decisions. Right. Is there um, hope? I, my my take on the FCC is that it's basically useless. It, it has been a, a, a shill for the phone companies, and I don't know if it changed. I'll give you an example. On the, I was on the consumer the FCC's consumer advisory committee. The longest standing member on the committee is Verizon. In two thousand and three, we actually pointed out to, and we had a story in the Washington Post, and we filed a complaint that the entire committee, the majority had been some funding from Verizon or AT&T, and that essentially the others were either AstroTurf groups or they were the companies themselves. The, the, the actual public was in the minority. And looking at the current situation, it's you know, probably 50-50. So my feeling is, is that the FCC has never, will never examine this 
And the only way to make them do it is by force of law. Right now, where we are is, I think the comments were interesting, and, and it shows that people care, but the truth of the matter is the FCC is just going to ignore those comments. There's nothing there that they're going to, they'll come up with some kludge. And, and net neutrality is essentially, you know, trying to fix a problem where the, the, it's like a Band-Aid on a patient that needs a heart, heart transplant. We're at the point now where if they start closing, physically closing wires across the United States and putting people on wireless, and what I mean putting on wireless, everybody has a wireless phone. That's the given. But nobody, but but they don't have fast broadband, and that's part of this package of when they close the wires, they didn't upgrade the network. And my feeling is that there is there are uh, there are things that that uh, that will uh, that we have that will give a force of law. To this story, example, I don't think it's necessarily legal or ethical that the that Verizon has basically n- never told the FCC that Title II they're using Title II today. In the states, if they if if in fact it is Title II in the states, then they, then the the regulators can take a case in the state to basically say, excuse me, you say it's Title One at the FCC, you say it's Title II here, which one is it? If it's Title I, right. they lose all rights to the use of the telecommunications networks. All the rights of way go away. <laughs> they can't charge grandma anymore for the, for the deployment of fiber optics. So these are forces of law that, that we believe are what's, next, what's required. Uh, I don't think there's anything that just talking is going to solve anymore because I think the, the FCC has proven that they could just ignore everything, even, even all these comments. Well, we came up with this clue. So the FCC is going to kick the ball down the court as far as they can. If the Republicans take over the Senate and the House, um, the FCC basically will have to go out and do what they want. <laughs> and, you know, even if the White House wants them not to do this, they'll they'll vote in the Senate and the House to basically start removing all the regulations because they'll be you know the Republicans. That's what they're they're backing the phone companies, so and the cable companies. So my feeling now is it's time to take them to court. It's time to go out and take legal actions against them. And the data that I ha- that we that we present in the book is only part of the story that we have. We have a lot more data that didn't make it into the book, which is proprietary. And at this point in time, we're not discussing until such time that we actually file something. Mm-hmm. But that's we're at the, we're at the end game. We're at the point where it's time to say um, they screwed us. And I think you know it's funny. I think people this last round people actually know something's up. There's, there's, there is an, an angst when you when I walk to the, when I go into the, uh, certain places you know, like my pizzeria and I say what do you think of Verizon or you know Time uh, Warner those bastards <laughs> so I think people I think people know this the question that you're bringing up is how do we aggregate that anger to do something I think when the stories start coming out about this the some of the things we found and, and which is the ending of the book I think people will actually make notice because I think mm-hmm. the, I think the uh, Internet companies, if they get involved and they actually start telling the story, it'll be a different fight. Before, just so you know, from 1984 through 1990, say 2004, AT&T and MCI were separate companies that were balanced to the force of the, of the local incumbents and the cable companies. After 2005, there was no balance. The, those two companies were, were basically put up for sale. So we had no one on the other side actually trying to make sure that the FCC did the right thing. Now what we have is maybe the Internet companies woke up and they are actually going to take the place of and give balance to the, uh, the incumbents. That is, the only, that is you know, as a group, that they have the, the financials to do it. Whether they do it or not is another story. But as far as the, you know, the average 
person involved. As we saw with the net neutrality fight, you know, there are people that care, um, and they will be aggregated, but it doesn't have the force of law. And so the question is whether the Internet companies rise to the occasion, or even, even the municipalities. Take them to court over the wires that they, you know, the, the services they didn't get. It's never happened. I, I've been shocked by trying to get, and we've tried for years to try to get some of the municipalities to take them to court. In New Jersey, you know, we got these these two small towns actually, you know, filed at the at the state, and they actually got wired. But as far as the rest of the country, it's far and few between that anybody's actually stood up to them and said, "It's our wires. Why aren't you fixing them?" So anyway, so think- that's why I wrote the book is. Rally, rally the troops. Tell them the story. Mm-hmm. So now let's look at a couple of possible scenarios. So in one scenario, you look at a state like North Carolina or Tennessee that has a prohibition on um, municipal broadband networks. And so does it make sense to basically try to use uh, the money that was spent or stolen or you know misappropriated and not and promises unfulfilled to try to change the state law or to try to change Time Warner and whatever the other incumbent is in North Carolina. Uh, hypothetically, what I would do is I would start an immediate action against Time Warner or Comcast, whatever it is, about the social contract immediately. I would demand rate regulation because there is no competition in the state. And I would have basically a filing saying you, you, there is no competition. There is not enough to lower the basic rates, basic rates of, your, of your triple play and, uh, and, start reg, and, and demand rate regulation. I would block the, uh, the, the mergers immediately, which they're doing in New York um, or try, attempting to. Um, and then I would basically say on the AT&T side, I would say audit the books. And and give us the give us the discovery of the books that you of the uh, of the financials, and I would do this on the state base on the state level, and I would aggregate the municipalities to actually take this action, and therefore and basically what they're going to and use New York as a model of what we found, and use the petition that's current that's been filed as a model of what we found. And say we we believe AT and T is doing the same thing. Here it is for Verizon New York, and here's all the details. Here's a petition to do discovery. Here here is what we want to do in the state of you know in uh, North Carolina. And because the I guarantee you that the North Carolina Public Service Commission doesn't actually collect most of the data, nor does uh, the FCC, nor does anybody else, and they don't publish it. So the question is is how could you how could you allow the large incumbent who has little competition to go out and not supply you with basic data. Now they're going to say. Now let's assume that the Alec bill uh, passed, right? I would do a survey of phone bills and show that basically the, they're overcharging on all the bills because that's what they're doing. <laughs> you eighty know, percent mm-hmm. of all cu- all customers have been actually overcharged on different ways on their bills. And I would also find out exactly what I would find, do a survey of what people actually think of their, their incumbents, which I assure you is not going to look very pretty. But I would, I would, all, I would go after their financials because I, based on what we know, they're probably confiscating utility property uh, to, to supply it to the affiliate companies for free or cheap. I guarantee you that AT&T's U-verse TV is paying a fraction of what anybody, any competitor would pay for the use of that network. 
And then they'll say, of course, the networks are, you know, are losing money. I guarantee you that the wireless to the cell towers have been basically funded by the utility company, which is not necessarily legal. So if you ask me what I would do, I would take the model of New York that's been established already, and I would get, get the municipalities as a group to go out and file a complaint at the state. And I would, and I would try, to, try to find the, get the data, because I assure you that the data is going to look, <coughs> for AT&T, is not going to look very pretty. And I guarantee you that there's a lot of, a lot of things with this cross-subsidies that is not illegal. Section 254K of the Telecommunications Act basically says that you can't charge non-utility uh, customers for non-utility services. So uh, using these, these, legal, these legal directions, to me, is the next step. And so that's what I would do. That's pretty much the, the next couple of steps. And I would go after Comcast, the, the cable company, and I would go after the phone company. And I would do it as a, as a group. Now, the problem is most of the league of municipalities in various states are sort of pawns for the phone companies. And that, that is a serious problem. But there's also well, businesses isn't that care about problem. Uh, we only have about three minutes, but isn't another problem the legal cost of doing all this? Because uh, when I was talking to people about these various anti-muni network laws, uh, one of the issues is that the laws are written in such a way that to fight them incur would incur a certain amount of legal cost. And cities right. aren't prepared to, to do that. So what you're recommending sounds good, but the question then becomes who's going to pay the legal so bills? Right. So, so the muni. So, challenging the phone company on its own on its own turf, i.e., you know, head to head, doesn't work. You can't do it. It'll cost you too much money. Mm -hmm. Going after going after going after their financials, which has not been done, just requires you to file a complaint, get the data. Now, you have to understand, all the cities have auditors. They can definitely look at the books. It isn't like the, it isn't like this stuff doesn't exist. They all have lawyers. So, but aggregate it with the uh, with the municipalities. Don't have one you know one city pay for everything. Have them all pay. You know, do it through the league if possible. Oh, that's why some consortium. Mm -hmm. Right, but you have to understand, there's a lot of businesses that care about this today. You know, if if they're actually going to start shutting people off, there are people in areas that will care, and they haven't been talked to. You know, you the I'll give an example. Uh, I know we're going to run like, in in AT and T has proposed to basic in its, its thing called the IP transition, where they want to transfer everybody from the old networks to the new networks. That they're in 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 Carbon Hill, Alabama, which is one of the test sites of a rural area. That they're going to shut off fifty five percent of all the lines, and replace it with wireless. Do you think that the customers that are on wire today in that area want that to happen? Much less that it wasn't upgraded to U-verse in the first place. Do you think they would? Yeah. You know, so has you, has anybody talked to them? No. Pretty much, the, uh, there's no coordination within the state of any of this stuff. What we found in New Jersey is, you know, the, occasionally there's coordination of some of the municipalities because there was a, an appeal that was uh, <laughs> to stop the the state from erasing the law uh, for broadband in the state of New Jersey. But there's no. Most of the states have not. Aggregated them, you know the, the concerns. There's a lot of they have so many other issues that they don't really focus on this, and so it really requires sort of a, you know, a leadership where basically they say, all right, we're going to get every municipality in the state to play with us, and then we'll do, take these actions instead of now, what's going on, on now, note, which is right. And and so on that note, we're going to have to we're going to have to shut it off because 
Uh, we're almost out of time. But this is extremely valuable information. Uh, hopefully everybody who's listening will tell their friends um, and also go out and get the book because there's, there's a lot of valuable data there and an action plan at the end, which I think is very good. And so, um, you know, best of luck as we move this thing forward. Bruce, thank you very much again for uh, being on the show. Uh, please stay in touch, and wherever I can, you know, I'll put a plug out, and uh, let's get some, some, some changes going on. Thanks, folks, Great. for listening. We appreciate it, and we'll be back again soon. Take care.